0: Welcome to the Make More Keep More Show, an irreverent but never irrelevant show dedicated to all things money. Hosted by Ron Carruthers and Dominic Cummins, two guys with 50 years of combined experience in sales and finance and a lifetime of talking nonsense. Welcome to the Make More Keep More Show. The show where we talk about all things money, making it, keeping it, and a bunch of other stuff that just pops up in our minds once in a while, too, as well. Usually at least sort of business related. Uh, my name is Dominic Cummins. Uh, I'm typically the make more guy and Ron is usually the a keep more guy as the tax expert. And I have a lot of experience with sales and coaching business owners on how to grow their business. And uh, yeah, that's the intro. Today we're gonna have Marcus Murphy on. He's a good friend of mine. I think you know, hi, Dr. Brown. Uh, we're going to have uh, Marcus Murphy on. He's going to be great. I think you guys are going to be really entertained. However, his daughter was not feeling well, so he had to make a real quick run to school to pick her up, and he's going to join us here in a few minutes to let us know or he'll or, or watch Ron. He may request to join. I asked if it's either text or just request to join when he's ready. Oh, you
1: know what? Hold on.
0: I no, no, no. Don't text. do anything. He's going Go to you your thing or uh, request to join when he's ready, when he's back. He had to pick his daughter up, so that's what we'll do all right
1: <laughs> sounds good so tell me what's going on this is it's our 12th
0: anniversary, anniversary. here is it yeah
1: nice. congratulations and they said At it least, they said it wouldn't I last
0: and what's going weather, on there is, uh during his wedding speech i uh, said uh i hope it lasts was part of his uh wedding speech <laughs> we have never let him live that one down uh but so far it has so i suppose his does he hold well, the big question is. <laughs> don't don't
1: cool. <laughs> <laughs> can we get him on here? We need a we need a new guest. Can we? Get, yeah, actually, can we get actually, him actually in there so can we can ask him for Yeah, <laughs> both of my brother and <laughs> like, guys are well,
0: interesting guys. I uh, think would be great guests. So would you have them both on here?
1: I was a little drunk. <laughs> I was a little. I, think, yeah, yeah, I didn't kind of mean just, any of I it. It's entirely possible,
0: if I remember correctly, he got in a bit of an altercation outside with some random person on the street. So yeah, it could have been that he'd had a drink or two in his system at that point. But yeah, no. So we came up to the Ritz. I mean, it's look, I you know, it's first world problems when you're complaining about the service at the Ritz. But we've stayed at the jade So if anybody's familiar with downtown L.A., the Ritz carlton's probably one of the more dominant looking buildings on the in the in downtown L.A. Yeah. Yep
1: really uh,
0: it's beautiful it's building beautiful. Yeah, we've stayed at the sure. jw marriott so it's the brits and jw marriott the ritz takes or the jw marriott takes like the first 20 mm-hmm. some odd floors the marriott takes up the next you know or excuse me the ritz takes up the next section and then they've got residences up above us so we were like okay oh, right, well, cool let's go to that that'll be really nice they've got a really nice restaurant here we we we've been to a few ritz carlton's we kind of collect the little key cards from the different places we've been to i've mean, one in florida there's we've been to the uh uh central park one was awesome our favorite one is out in the desert i've actually done a show last year probably for our anniversary did a show from the desert um that one is amazing this one is like not they just don't have the same vibe it doesn't smell as good when you come inside it doesn't have like the like the service they're kind of rude uh and so i would recommend if you're in la just stay at the jw marriott you probably save yourself some bucks and uh and have a good time but can't beat where it's located. Tonight's the Laker game and we're at LA Live, right next to, well, I still call it Staples. I, I don't, I still, yeah, Crypto Arena. Crypto, uh, whatever it curious how they're gonna handle that next year. Uh, but uh, yeah, because uh, I mean, is Crypto even a, a, a around anymore? Like the Crypto.com guys? I mean, do they even have money to pay for a stadium <laughs> So <yeah. laughs> I have no idea. Hopefully. Yeah, exactly. They got I would up imagine them. somebody was, was smart enough to do that. So, yeah, so it was just, uh, that doesn't have my ringing endorsement, but they did send us a nice bottle of champagne and some strawberries, chocolate dip strawberries uh, for our anniversary, which was very nice of them. So, can't complain t- too much.
1: Yeah. All right. So, tell us about your guest today. Tell us about Marcus. Yes. And what we're going to learn when he yep. gets on hair because you know him better than I
0: But he was a great guest, actually, while we wait for Marcus to figure out his tech um i actually really enjoyed howard that was a he was a fascinating guy i think we got some good feedback on this i think people are probably still trying to figure out if it's you know pole shoe tricycles all that good stuff he gave us some really good memory aids dude i've been
1: using that i've absolutely been using that because at a game i play anyways where i go through and always when i go to the gym i use like the day lockers up front and my game is I always use whatever code is already in there and just see if I can remember it. Right. And so now I've been using the like today's code was one, five, seven, eight. So I did the pull, glove, throwing, dice to hit the scale, boom, which is the way that is. All right. Let's see if we can get him in here. Go live Sweet. with Marcus Murphy. I think we got him. Maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe there not. Let's go. About it. I said yes. All right.
0: Mr. Marcus. Going. It's Murphy. Hey guys, can you hear me? Yeah, we sure can. How you doing, man?
2: Good. Uh I literally feel like a noob. I was just literally on the computer being like, yeah, wouldn't it work so much better if we could just do this on the desktop version of Instagram with like our nice cameras and our microphones and all that <laughs> stuff? So yeah, thanks for having me. Good morning.
1: Marcus. Yeah. Marcus, that was me with Dominic before we did the first show. I'm like, but I don't <laughs> understand. He's like, Ron, just <laughs> shut up. Do it on your phone. Yeah. Put your pods on. Although, hey man, I heard you're gonna start it. Yeah, fund me, Dominic, to buy me new, yeah, new, dude, new microphone
0: for next do. season. Yeah, yeah. yeah. all right. I you like can, that. You can do it on your uh phone. You can do it on your phone via your sure SM seven B, but you need quite the setup to do that. Mr. Yeah. Murphy. Yeah. And then uh we will next next season though, folks. Yeah, we're working on some tech so that Ron actually has a microphone that works and sounds good. Yeah. Uh, for next season, but this week I'm, I'm traveling, so I'm on my AirPods anyway, so it really doesn't matter. So yeah, yeah we'll it up and post It's not good.
2: I, li- I literally, I literally just got off plane after plane. So I was in a, I was in London for a couple of weeks for meetings and then I, uh, had a, a, debacle, uh, where I couldn't get a flight the other day. So I ended up driving eight hours to a meeting and driving back the same day, which was, uh, was wild. Yep, and I've been uh, been in Atlanta, Atlanta, Georgia on location for a couple things uh, that I've got cooking and now we're moving uh from officially from London to California uh coming up in the end of July. So, just a lot going on. So, <laughs> which is good. Thank you.
1: Right on, man. Welcome back, Marcus. We're in
2: uh-, uh So, I was in Wimbledon. Um I'm I'm in America right now for this week. Yeah. So, okay. I was I we primarily have our house in Wimbledon and then we've um we've moved we're going to be moving we haven't told anybody by the way so here we go this is nice
1: yeah welcome <laughs> yeah here's the weird announcement but yeah we are moving yeah. to california sweet thanks nice thanks, man. my daughter oh, yeah. my daughter lives in ealing yeah right yeah now. the it's ealing about Broadway about uh,
2: train is always a very popular packed train in london
1: <laughs> yeah cool well, you go. well. it always is. Anyway, man,
0: we, we were just getting Dominic to do your... Yeah, I don't know. I Dominic back to jackass, to be honest with you. No, uh, <laughs> uh, no, I'm a good friend of mine. We actually met, uh, how many years back is that now? Six, six seven. years ago? Five, seven? Jeez, okay. Um, so uh, we met about seven years ago through Digital Marketer. Uh, some of you have heard about that. Actually, Ron is the, ultimately the reason why I ended up meeting Marcus, because Ron had uh, signed on to Digital Marketers Lab program way back when on a dollar trial and was paying like $19 a month or whatever it was back in the day. Uh, If you guys don't know what it is, it's like a lot of really cool resources for just small business owners for like marketing stuff. It was, that was how it kind of started. And uh, so Ron said, hey, they have this conference. You should come by. You should join their lab program. They have this conference. You should come. He joined up with me. We, We actually hung out there at that very same conference. I saw Marcus Murphy. Who did a lot of stuff was on their executive team. I'm going to say executive team. Don't correct me uh, for uh, the the organization. And uh, I saw him speak. I went up to him, chatted with him. I was like, I think I have some stuff that might be bring some value. And and he invited me out to Austin to speak to their group. And then we ended up working together and doing business together and all this stuff. So we we've, we've had the uh, uh long run good friendship since then and uh and and had some uh really good food along the way and then one really <laughs> terrible experience with hair and my steak and boa steak in Santa Monica.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. 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 but uh <laughs> thing for me for that. Uh, so, but yeah Mark is a great guy. I'm excited to have him on for a few reasons. He does a lot of really cool stuff. He's got his hands in a lot of different things. You'll see that very cool stylized hat on his head. We're gonna talk yeah. about that. What that's all about. Uh, He works in like the sports uh, industry. Uh, He does some really great uh, things along along that line, and uh, just does some really cool stuff around helping entrepreneurs as well. But I do want to talk about something maybe as a start off because some of us, I don't know if anybody wants to sound off who's in the who's listening in, but you actually just brought up a lot of travel. I think one of your most viral posts you've ever done, which got you featured in like. I don't remember, was it Today Show or something crazy? Was it post around how do you balance being a dad and having family? I yeah. know, that'd be a cool place to start. Tell us a little bit about what prompted that, kind of how that got going and and what ended up happening with all that.
2: Yeah, it's a really, really big uh, question, but I'll give the very abridged version. But yeah, I I was and have been how uh, is career pathing really hard. I feel like a lot of people on here are either inside of a really incredible career with a lot of trajectory. Many of them are probably entrepreneurs based on what you said, and some people are probably sitting there going like, "Well, shit, I want to get out of what I'm doing and go do my own thing." Right? Those that that segment of transitional entrepreneurs who have not taken the the, the jump yet into entrepreneurship. I think I was always a really talented person. I was always on the executive team, or I was working my way up in a career. And there was a moment in my life where I was on the road. For Four hundred thousand miles a year. I mean, just just with my skill set, I, I speak all over the world. It's one of the things I'm really good at, and it's really funny. I was laughing the other day because was like, "Yeah, do you have like a secret set of skills?" I'm like, "It's not a fucking secret. Like, give me a microphone, give me a stage, put me in front of put me in front of ten thousand people, and I'm good." <laughs> and one of the things that that did is that opened up a lot of access, and I was all over the world creating awareness for our brand. And unfortunately, that's not a great look for a full time husband and dad. Just not like I. If you're out there listening to this, and you've got a partner, wife, and husband, or whatever you've got, and you're sitting around trying to have a really established, great relationship with him, well, being present is probably one of, like, probably the number one thing that makes makes relationships work, or just the intentionality with it, right? And so, in my mind, near the end of my time as an executive at digital marketer, I had every opportunity you could ever think about. In fact, they were there was so much more for me to do. And I could have been gone even more. And I, I could have written my book and done the show and, and just completely blown that up. And unfortunately, I was losing my wife and my kids. And I was missing first steps and all the things that are completely tragic that you hear about. And so yeah, man, I shut it down. And I said, you know what, I probably need to go build something uh, around my family instead of... Building something that's taking me away, and I did. I took that crazy ass leap into uh, the abyss. Had no idea, but the first thing I did—by the way, I, I left right when the pandemic happened, like a dumbass. You know what I mean? Like I left, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go start my company and like leave all this security behind. And I, you know, and um, I saved a little nest egg and had all that. But the first thing I did is I built a playhouse for my girls. Like I went to our backyard. I went to the lumber yard. I built this crazy, and it wasn't just like a. Fisher price playhouse. Like this was me compensating and overcompensating for all the lost time. So I went all in and I took some pictures of them inside of it. And that's what went viral. I, I posted a post on LinkedIn and yeah, good morning America called and they did a whole segment on us. And that kind of really started down this path of a conversation being like, you know what? I think you need to build the life that you want. I think that you need to build something that you're passionate about that solves a problem and I'm a firm believer like that great visions are measured by the people they attract. So I've always used that as my barometer to figure out if I'm doing the right thing is like hey do people really get this and like what kind of people are are being attracted to this project and so far so good. But yeah, that was a big part of my life that transition away from being just thinking that that's what I had to do to get where I wanted to go and um and losing my family was not a part of that.
0: That's an awesome story, man. Thank you for sharing. I mean, I think it's uh, one of those things that any of us who have put a, a couple hundred thousand miles a year on travel and a few hundred nights a year in a hotel and things—it's—it's uh, a—it's a tough balancing act. Uh, and I admire you for doing it and been proud of you for, for, for doing it. It's, uh, it's pretty awesome. Cause your family is, is pretty, pretty darn awesome. Your wife is, is welcome. Cool. Yeah, uh,
2: I don't know why, I don't know why she's with me. She's too, she's, she's too smart. I don't understand.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh,
0: I think we all have that situation. Um, I mean, I certainly do, uh, as we celebrate our anniversary. Um, so, okay, let's talk a little bit, but we can't. If you, if anybody knows Marcus Murphy and knows what's what, what he does and some of the cool things he does, we can't get away from a little bit of your social media stuff. I know that's not your always favorite topic to talk about, but it is something that's contributed a lot to the growth of your career, I think. I think you would say that as well. And I think a lot yeah. of people try to figure out, how do I get, I haven't checked your follower count on LinkedIn now, but I don't know, 80,000, 100,000, whatever you're up to at this point on on LinkedIn. Um Let's, we don't have specific, you know, Marcus has done training for LinkedIn, uh, uh, teaching people how to use LinkedIn. So you can go reference all that if you need to You can Google it, you'll find it, I promise. But talk to me a little bit about like, that post went viral, I would guess, because it was so open and honest about mm-hmm. a topic that was probably not the easiest thing for you to necessarily talk about what it and you've had more than one post that's gone viral. What what do you see as that? Is it just the authenticity or is there some other format that really kind of helps drive that?
2: You know, I honestly think that if I had to... Tell anybody about writing a viral post. It's, it's, that's such a bullshit thing to say. It's like, you don't set out to write a viral post. Some people do like we, I'm around a bunch of people who think that they can hack virality and it's, it's an interesting thing. Um, what I think you can do is you can create a narrative where people can insert themselves into the conversation. And I think that's really important whenever we create content is like, I'm writing this content for me. First of all, first and foremost, I'm sharing it because I'm trying to sh- start a dialogue. Like the best content I've ever put out there that went viral was being able to, like you said, vulnerably allow people to insert themselves into the story. Like honestly, if you sit around, like, are you guys dads? I know you are, Dom, but are you my, I know we haven't had a chance to check. Yes. So, yeah, yeah. So, so definitely. you guys have read to your kids, I'm assuming, cause you're not just totally terrible people. Yeah. Right. But one, uh, of the, what, <laughs> one of the things that <laughs> I've got, I've got, I've got two girls and the thing that I've really learned over like reading a million books to them every night is that great stories. Like if you're a child and you watch them they are really listening, but they're not listening to the story. Like a really good, good book. They're actually inserting themselves in. So it's not about Peppa and George on their great adventure. They are Peppa and George, but the story is good. So I think that with virality or like any kind of post that I've ever done, part of it is understanding that the way I craft it is an invitation. And the way that I craft it is like, I want to start a dialogue. So if I can share a story that empathetically Maybe empathetically affects the person, like the end reader, and they understand where they can fit themselves into the story. And the story is so good that all of a sudden they go, Oh my gosh, that's me. And they raise their hand. I think we've accomplished exactly what we're trying to do. And that's been my most viral post of all time has been people that are like, they raise their hand. They go, that's me, that's me. That's me. That's me. That's me. That's me. Um, and I think that's where, you know, people it, like, was that intentional? Did I mean to do that? Maybe I, I understood how to tell a story that creates an invitation, but I never, some of the most viral things I've ever done on social media have never been plotted. Do you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, for sure. And I think that when you do see people trying to crack that, they may actually get some of those viral posts to to hit, but I tend to feel like you kind of also can sense it was, um, yeah, to do that right and and yeah maybe it goes but the, the stuff that's from the heart. I think you you told me this expression cuz uh Ron I, you may or may not know Marcus's good BFFs with Gary Vaynerchuk and uh you told me the story like we we were we were talking about content cuz I think you know when I was when you and I first met I was trying to put out a ton of content really trying to get that engine going which it did. It's you know a lot of what led me to where I am today is is that content. But you know you're sitting there like man I put out 50 videos and i've got four people watching them and and you told me the story (laughs) that gary told correct me if i'm wrong here i think we've told it on this show but you know since you're the one who actually heard it what does he say he put out a thousand videos or something like that before he has a whole story around how long it took him to really get anywhere with that
2: well i'll say it like this and i'll put it in my own words I think a lot of people are obsessed with how fast you can get to a destination and they don't fall in love with the journey. So like Gary is really good about saying, guys, I ate shit for so long, for so long before anybody ever knew that I was anything, but it didn't stop me from pursuing something and doing the work. So the way that I talk to my team about it, the way that I've always talked about it is like. It's kind of this metaphorical look at how to build a skyscraper. Like when I was in school, this, I'll just tell you a quick story. But when I was in school, I used to go, I lived in a dorm. Do you guys, were you guys in college? Dom, I don't actually remember. Did you go to college or not? No, right? So, but anyway, it sucked. But I remember being in the dorm. It was like a jail cell. (laughs) You know, like It's a window and like two bunk beds and that's in in cinder blocks. But one of the things that I remember is like the right outside of my window for an entire year, almost there was a construction site. And it was just a hole in the ground. And they would literally pick up dirt from here and move it to there and pick up dirt from there and move it to there. And I used to think like, geez, this is a scam. Like th- this, this building is never, <laughs> like it's never going to happen. <laughs> and then I leave for a break and I come back and I remember it was nighttime and I come back and I just kind of fell asleep. And the next morning I woke up, I look out my jail cell window and all of a sudden I don't have a view anymore. There's a massive building there. And I went, geez, that felt like that happened overnight. Like what the hell happened? And as you, when you're an adult and you actually look things up, you know, you realize that to build a a big building, you have to build a really substantial amount of time on a foundation. In fact, the bigger the building, the farther down you have to go and the more support you need. So what I think is really interesting is I think that's the most fascinating part of any journey for any entrepreneur is the time spent digging under the surface to build the foundation necessary to build that big thing. So like Gary and everybody else is just sitting here going guys no 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 it was never about the thousand million views i have now. It was about the thousand videos i did when i was digging and when i when nobody was seeing me. And that that's that kind of repetition and the the unglamorous slog of it that nobody wants to talk about but it is truly where you get your reps, your sets, your confidence. It's where you get um, where you learn the most before everybody starts to look at everything that you do, you know? And, and also you get an opportunity to find a faithful group of people. Like, look, there's 19 people watching this right now. There's probably going to be a, a hundred or so that rotate through this. And then obviously you guys are going to put it out later. But even if 400 people saw this video instead of 40,000, like on some social media I have, those 400 people are the people we serve. They're the people that we're interested in, right? That's our audience. And those loyal people are the ones that actually take a message and anything that we do way further than we ever could. So I'm actually way more interested in an entrepreneur who comes to me and says, I'm not looking to pick up a hammer, I'm looking to pick up a shovel. Right. And I'm, I'm, and I'm falling in love with the process of digging the necessary foundation that's going to support that big thing that I'm building. And dude, I've never fucking heard that from entrepreneurs. They're all like, I'm gonna jump off the cliff and build the plane on the way down. Like, that's bullshit. Like you don't have to do that. You don't have to jump out of your job and go bankrupt and yeah. like struggle. You can actually take time right now and go, I'm going to how far down do I need to bit to dig? How far down do I have to dig? And let me fall in love with that process of digging because I know when I have the right foundation, my thing is gonna go up and it's gonna feel like it went up overnight and everybody's gonna be like, Holy shit, how this building get here? And I think that's where, yeah. So I, the first time i ever heard that when Gary was chatting about it, um, that's the way I put it into perspective for myself. And and this last few years of digging has been, uh, been probably the hardest and most beautiful and most formative part of my life. And nobody wants to talk about it because it's not sexy. It's not. It's not a sexy time in life, but it's a super necessary one for any serious person who's building something great.
0: We gave us the perfect segue to start talking about what are you what the heck are you doing right now? So mm-hmm. let's let me paint the picture a little bit. He already uh, ha- talked about it. Marcus already talked a little bit about it, but he had an amazing gig going uh, where he was at with digital marketer well known company. He's working with some really well known people. He's rubbing shoulders with the Gary Vayner checks, the What's the English guy from Virgin Airlines? Can't think of his name right now, but if Richard Branson. <laughs> hey, do you guys
2: know do you guys know what Richard Branson smells like?
0: I've never really thought about caring, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, yeah. But I think you yeah, did a- tell me this. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah, yeah. He smells like leather and money. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, He's, I'll tell you, I'll tell you a quick thing about Richard because you know, you mentioned these names like Gary Vaynerchuk and Richard and all these different people that we get to kind of interact with for split seconds in time. And they're all great. Don't get me wrong. There's some things that Gary say. I'm like, I don't fucking agree with that at all. I know I don't, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be shy about it, but at the same time, I totally respect people that have built something and you can go to the UK right now. And there are people that absolutely hate yeah. Richard Branson, like with a passion. And it's a, it's a, it's a little tricky thing, sure. but when he was in proximity to me, the one thing that I was more interested in than Richard was actually his team. So like we were in the green room. Richard Branson's about to go on stage. And what I was sitting around watching everybody kind of like, you know, huddle around Richard. And I'm a person who likes to step back and survey my situation and be really perceptive about trying to connect dots. And I saw this woman who looked very, what's the word? Um, she looks very approachable. Is that a nice way to say that? I feel like, uh, Yeah. Comfortable. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. She she was, she was, she had some years on her and she looked incredibly, she was so nice and she looked so approachable and she was clearly on Richard's team. And so I walk up to her. Her name is Debbie, by the way, if anybody ever wants to know who Richard Branson's handler is, it's a woman named Debbie who has been with him for so many decades—it's un- unreal. And I said, Debbie, I just kind of nudged her because no one was talking to Debbie. That's the beauty of Debbies of the world, by the way—they are very much behind the scene, but also they're forgotten. So I'm over here with Debbie. I give her a little nudge and I say, "How insane is your life?" And she goes at me and she goes, "Pretty, pretty crazy." And I said, "Well, give me an example. Like, what does that even mean?" And she goes, "Well, what's your favorite restaurant?" And I thought to myself. She's like, you got it in your mind? don't say it. And I said, yeah, I got it. She goes, is it kind of in your neighborhood? And I'm like, yeah. She's like, do you meet your friends there? And I was like, yeah, totally meet my friends there. And she goes, that's like Lithuania for him. That's like he will go anywhere at any time and can do anything that he wants to and has no restrictions on the way that he thinks. And so if he wants to go have dinner with his friend, it's not about going down to the corner to get a steak in Santa Monica, it's about, I'm gonna fly to France and meet this person for dinner. And then we're gonna fly on from there to my island. And then what, like she said, that is what crazy is. And she goes, do you know what's really wild? And I said, what? And she goes, "Um, the reason why he's trying to go to Mars is because he's done everything here. And I was like, okay, like, (laughs) I mean, how much, I mean, seriously, when you think about people like him, I'm not really interested in his political involvement, his tax evasion. I'm not interested in all the things that he built, even though those are incredible. Those are going to be relics that fade away and no one's going to remember it fucking 200 years from now. But what we can take from it in this moment is there's a man unrestricted in his thinking. like Literally, I'm going to go do anything because I can do it. Like That is an unbelievable message for anybody. And I didn't get that from Richard Branson. I got that from the person that sits on the airplane behind him and has been around taking care of him for 40 years, you know? So I think, I think that's a pretty interesting Richard Branson story, but yeah, leather and money is what he smells like for sure. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so you're hobnobbing with all these celebrities. Not that you're not <laughs> still doing that, but you're doing all that. You're well compensated, not enough, but well compensated. Uh, you got a steady job. You've got kind of all the things going on. We already talked about you out tough on the tough on the family situation, but you were doing a good job as much as you could of balancing that. You got kind of one of those jobs. that's like the dream job for most people. And then you, we got on a podcast. We were actually shooting a podcast pre-COVID, and uh, but we were pre-recording it. And you and I were chit-chatting. You're like, bro, uh, I'm starting my own company. Here's the logo. Here's what it's going to call thing. I think that was back in the uh, Chew the Frog or whatever that days were. But uh, <laughs> but the uh, but you were you were going to start this business and like leave all, all that. And I was excited for you because I did the same thing and I, I love it. But Talk to me a little bit about what, what was the jump? What did you end up doing? What was, where are we at today? What are you working on? What are you so thrilled about?
2: Yeah, I, I think I set out, gosh, it's such a good question, but also one that I feel like I don't want to over talk. I'll say this. I, I knew that I wanted to start a business. I knew that I wanted to own something. I knew I want to solve a big problem and I didn't know where to point that I had no idea like that I was going to end up in the sports world. And that was where the most need was for what I was trying to create. But I knew that I I knew that there was a problem and I knew there was a universal problem that's what I was trying to do in fact I was in my garage and for my UK folks my garage right and I was sitting around and I put I took a whiteboard and I screwed it into the wall because I said, you know what a lot of good things and a lot of these amazing companies start in some sweaty Garage somewhere, and I thought to myself that that's what was going to be inspiring. What actually happened was just that I was a sweaty mess most of the summer, uh, and I just was sitting in there writing down ideas and trying to brainstorm and be like, oh, thinking like, oh, well, I'm going to solve the world's problems. And what I realized was is that when I stopped and said, I'm, I'm stop, I'm going to stop looking for the problem to solve and think about what I'm passionate about and like what I care about, what that what I would personally be very interested in, and curious about. And from all the years of things that I've done, all the boards that I've sat on, I feel like one of the things that I've always been really kind of beating the drum on is this idea that we are very disconnected people, right? That really AI, which is really great, by the way, I'm not here to talk about that. What I am here to talk about is the fact that you can't automate humanity. Like you really can't automate the human connection that people truly need and and the community that is massively valuable. Like I've never had an entrepreneur come up to me, guys, in the last few years and just been, you know, I would have made it and I wouldn't have failed at this whole business thing if I just had more content. Like that's never been the thing. It's never been like, oh my God, if I just had more books, if I just went to Harvard, if I it's never been that. The real reason that 95% of everybody who ever starts a business fails is because one, they don't implement the knowledge they have. So they're really, really bad at being aggressive implementers that are like, just I'm talking about ferocious. I learn it. I'm applying it, I'm learning it. I'm applying it. I rarely meet those people. And then the second thing is, and the reason why I created what I created and what I'm doing now is because everybody who fails at something typically is isolated and alone. Isolation is a killer of so many businesses and people in general. And I just want to say that I feel like when I started to realize that I could probably solve something with community and I'm really good at building community is that I that's kind of where I went to tackle it. And then through a series of crazy events, I realized that that is a exacerbated thing in the sports world. The organizations, if you go to any sports organization, I'm talking about like, I was brought into the NBA uh, last year, two years ago to be a consultant. This is how it all started. And I was sitting around, they were asking me questions about education and how they wanted to do things and how they're, and I asked them one question. I said, do you care about your athletes? And the unanimous question was like, of of course. I mean, people were like perking up, you know, like, of course, of course we care about this billion dollar industry. Of course we care about these 500 athletes. Right. And then I said, great. I said, how do you do that? Like how do you care for them? And it was this disjointed kind of like, oh, we have this speaker that comes in and uh, Kevin Love has a YouTube. It was a never like, it was so bizarre because it was never really succinct. And I said, wouldn't it be great if you could answer that by saying, we invested in them, we equipped them, they're connected while they play and they're connected for the rest of their lives. And that's going to be how we inoculate against all these terrible things that happen to them when they're disconnected. I said, wouldn't that be amazing? And that's where Five, this hat, my company came from, is that we were building... We're building the right kind of content because I've always been a content creator, but we're doing it inside of an environment. We're really, we're building a connectedness application for athletes, like global athletes. And we do it on the pro level. We do a university level. I've been in clubs all over England, working with players and stars. And yeah, of course, like I've been in all these different boardrooms with all these really important, cool people. And all I'm trying to do in every single one of those rooms is say, we have a connectedness problem. People aren't connected to themselves and not connected to others and they're not connected to the world. And if we can actually build something or come around that and be able to try to solve for that problem, these people that have these very influential platforms like athletes do can then help other people all around the world do the same. And so that's what we've been building for the last 18 months. And it's been a freaking whirlwind, but I have never been happier in my whole life to work on this kind of problem.
0: That's awesome, man. Uh, this is the quiet. By the way, a record-breaking moment. This is the quietest Ron has been on any show. Ever, <laughs> so I know sorry, sorry, guys. Let me. Uh, know. You're no, you're the guest. We want you to talk. That's kind of the goal of, of this. In fact, the, the fine folks who listen to us every week would probably love if you did the talking. So it's okay. it's great um but i will drop a quick id while ron thinks if he has any questions is uh it is the make More keep more show if you're just tuning in it's the make more keep more show we do this uh live on instagram uh basically every friday at 8 a.m pacific uh unless we've got something wild going on that we can't do it um i'm dominic cummins usually the make more guy that's ron Carruthers, the keep more guy in most cases and joining us today is mr marcus murphy uh, who is a good friend of mine and an awesome guy, and dropping some really cool stuff on on building his business and what he is currently doing. So, Ron, do you have anything you want to ask Marcus, or are we just going to keep rolling here? What do you what would you what would you like to throw into the conversation?
1: No, man, it's great. This is this is your <laughs> one show that you're just talking. Keep going, man. He's your friend. Oh your friend's God. killing it. Thanks. He's
0: doing great. Well, well, there you go. There you so, go. Exactly. Enjoy yeah, it so while it so lasts. I won't talk again.
1: Uh, yeah,
0: we'll give uh, give Marcus a follow because uh, you know he's really desperate for followers. It's um, really what he all he cares about. Ultimately, <laughs> is how many followers <laughs> we had. Um, oh man. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> super. I, you could just see the worry. You know of- what?
1: I will throw. I will throw one thing. I will throw one thing and dominic while you're screwing around here marcus you know what when you were talking about all the the reps and the the digging the foundation all i could think of was the first time i saw an american idol singer i took my kids to see one of the guys that came off of american idol live after american Mm. idol and great artists absolutely sucked Mm. live because before youtube and before american idol these guys, bands grew up, you know, and singers grew up playing in nightclubs. They got their reps in. They learned how to interact with the audience. They got their band to sound tight. And you know, we, when the American Idol and the voice generation came out, maybe they worked on this. But these guys were performing for 90 seconds at a time, you know, and they had the flashing lights, but they had no idea how to connect mm. with the audience. And it was weird because the one guy, we saw him at a small bar and it was like, he was looking around like, what the hell do I do next?" So there really is something to get good at your craft.
2: Look, it's not, it's not us being the old hat here. You know, the Beatles are a very classic example of this, right? Like before we knew who the Beatles were, they played those songs a hundred thousand times in tiny little bars in Germany forever. Like that's not, go look up their story. It's unbelievably fascinating that these songs we hear now, like Hey Jude and all this stuff, they were literally playing those 10 years before anybody ever knew who they were. And it's also wild to think that they keep, kept playing them for 20, 30 years after, right? The other thing I was going to say is like, when you're talking about people that are honing their craft and also where we are in our current kind of social media culture, I see it all the time in comedy. Do you guys love comedy? Like I'm obsessed with comedy. It's the people always ask me, they're like, Hey, how do you become a better speaker on stage? I'm like, watch every comedian ever go back to the classics, go to the people and just find the timing great, and how great. they work a crowd. I watched Delirious the other night. And aside from being the most offensive thing that Eddie Murphy has ever done in his entire life, there's a lot of learning points in there, right? It is the most it's offensive thing. thing. I was sitting there. While, I'm like blushing the entire time, going like, every like he needs to be canceled now. It's like forty <laughs> years ago. Like this guy, this guy needs to go away forever. But but what I do learn from comedians and looking at where we are now, you see comedians now on TikTok and Reels and YouTube Shorts, and they're like thirty seconds long of like the most impactful thing that they could say, and the crowd is like funny. And then you get them into a forty minute set, thirty minute set. Dude, it's not even—it's not really that great. But they're filling these arenas and they're filling their shows because they're taking the best. they are skimming off the top of their actual bigger kind of like I, you know thing that they are supposed to be really good at is holding the attention for a longer period of time. And that's why Jerry Seinfeld the other day I was listening to a, a commentary he did, and that's what his biggest frustration is now. He's like these younger comedians that are coming up now only have to have thirty seconds of material. He goes, it took me six months to write my special because I have to, an hour and a half of, how I have to kill for 90 minutes, you know? So anyway, I don't know where I'm going. I sound like an old head, but seriously, there is, there is something in people not, not seeing the slog of it all, but it's the most important thing you can't skip and expedite and you're, you know, you're in the steps of being the most successful that you think you can be is like, everybody wants to skip over the steps of being kind of the unknown digger. <laughs> I don't know how to say that. Either.
0: Well, it, it goes to that. Like you think even Jerry Seinfeld talks about how he would go to smaller clubs and just get bomb bomb on stage because he was like, that's where I learned the timing. Like the joke wasn't bad. It was the timing was terrible. And that's where, and a lot of yeah. the, all, I think virtually every great comedian I've ever heard talk about their process says, no, I went on, and, 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 and did it or bombed, or even the SNL writers that do it yeah. at writer meetings and they're pitching the idea and everybody's like, dude, that's terrible. Like this is just yeah. absolutely awful.
2: But if they, but if they didn't go through that process, like all of us on here, like anybody who's going to watch this, everybody's like, I don't want to fail, I, I'm pretty, pretty sure. That's our number one motivating factor is like, I don't want to fail. I don't want to lose. I don't want to ruin my family. I don't want to ruin this thing. I, you know what I mean? Like everybody's really keeps that very precious. But if you talk to a comedian that's been 10,000 hours of like, you've never heard of me. I'm not on TV. You didn't see anything, but I, when they do fail like that, oh, they deal with it in such a better way. Like Mm -hmm. bombing when you're 10,000 sets into your career as a comedian is very different than your like vulnerable 10 set bomb. Right. And I think that what's really interesting is like, if people understand that failure really only happens when you decide to stop then failure is looked at completely differently. And the lens of failure is actually just more refining than anything. And it's not something you have to be scared of. In fact, it's a part of the process, but that's not how we put it. We put we put failures on a pedestal that it should never be. Um, and I think that's a part of that that long slog of, of being great at something too.
0: I heard this. Uh, it reminds me, at the end of the day, I, was, I heard this interview. Uh, Howard Stern was interviewing Ed Sheeran. Oh. And who has got this like massive career obviously and um you know just coming off the, the heels of that copyright lawsuit and everything so he's interviewing me the other day and he was like well you know i mean you're a naturally gifted singer and you got the howard says this to ed sharon like you're a naturally gifted singer and a great guitar player and he's like whoa whoa, whoa. i'm neither of those things and he goes oh come on He the howard thought he was being humble he goes no 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 get your guys real quick google i don't remember what the name of the song was it was like ed sheeran yeah, it's trash or something.
1: <laughs> it's so bad. He's
0: saying Howard's <laughs> the first part, so he starts playing guitar. And he goes, "I thought it was a guitar virtuoso." And Howard's like, "Oh," and you can tell, like Howard doesn't want to say anything mean, but like it's like, "Huh?" And then, then Ed <laughs> starts singing, and Howard goes, "Oh, oh," like he couldn't help it. He was like, "Oh, I'm sorry." Oh, uh, wow! And, Ed sure goes, I-, "I told you, I suck." Like. And then he talked about, but I went and played small clubs. I went and played all the stuff I did. He like he goes, the Ed Sheeran that you saw today is not the Ed Sheeran that was recording YouTube videos, thinking he was doing something. And I think the reason why we keep talking about this, and Rana and I have talked about this in a lot of shows prior to this one, is you have to put in the effort and the work, and you don't. And Ed Sheeran made this comment, like he goes, I I firmly believe you don't learn anything from your successes. I don't know mm-hmm. if I, I agree with that statement totally, but mm-hmm. I understand the sentiment. He goes, "I learn er- everything from my failures. Mm-hmm. If you don't make a misstep as a business owner, then like you end up getting stuck in the confirmation bias kind of situation that, like, oh, well, it's been working this good all this long; I, it's going to keep working this way." And and you know, you and I know Mike R C pretty well, the the guy who specializes in marketing for gym owners. Mark Mike R C. When we did that big event um, that you were you spoke on at the beginning of COVID. He goes, we've been bowling with the bumpers up for the last 10 years, I meaning market economy. Like anything you threw down the middle of the lane was probably going to go hit some pins. Like it, it really didn't matter. He goes, COVID just took the bumpers off. And all of a sudden, things aren't working as smoothly. And that's the thing where if you've had a few failures along the way, then you go, all right, well, I've been through that. Like, you know, I've been in business now long enough to have a couple of decent market cycles. Ron's been through a few market cycles, like bad you know, horrible ones has been doing this for, I am calling them old. Kind yeah. Of I mean, well, weekly, but
2: yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, he just, did, he basically just told <laughs> us a minute ago. that He's a huge Clay Aiken fan. So I totally understand. He's been through yeah. it. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm team stuttered. Okay. Team Ruben for till I die. Ruben was that
1: the while, But yeah, it's. <laughs> By the way, I'll tell you guys, I'll tell you guys who it was. It was Daughtry. And and I love Daughtry, but Daughtry just, he and I'm sure he's great now, but he was what, just like, what the what hell, if, man? I got to do this for, like, I did my one song. I got
0: to do this for 90 What, if, what a full circle. <laughs> well, and it's not, and I'll tell you from being a like, musician and playing, stages and stuff for a long time when i was younger is like back in the day like you didn't get to go watch a video and figure something out on your own like which is a way nicer way to see feedback like you didn't go back and watch a youtube video somebody did of your performance and go like you had somebody come up to you and go why do you just stand there you look so stupid while you're just standing there You're like thanks like the the feedback
1: back at the day, that was actually the <laughs>
0: feedback i got and i was like i'm a trumpet player i'm supposed to do something They're like yeah move like do something like, <laughs> Like, some, some yeah. of like, To a sexy okay. day. Like, you know, 14 year old kid trying to figure that out. But but yeah, I think that that putting in and I love your presentation that you talked about where Marcus does this presentation. If you missed it, go back, listen to it, where he talks about this thing he calls the dig, which is digging all that foundation, digging dirt for just dirt and mud and rocks forever in order to create the foundation of this thing that everybody's eventually going to celebrate. But how yeah, do people he- give up in the dig?
2: Yeah, but I'm just saying, like this isn't this isn't super actionable stuff. But I just maybe to put a bookend on this, like we don't like to slow down to speed up. We're not that. We're just not those people. Like that's never been preached. It's never been like the sexiness of that is not a bumper sticker. No one, no one is putting that on their minivan. Nobody is like putting that on the coffee cup. Hey, guess what? You need to do. You need to get a lot of dirt under your fingernails for a long time, lay the correct foundation, and you have to dig f- as far down as you want to go up. Nobody wants to hear that because all they're focused on is being like, how can I make my skyscraper bigger than the other one? And how can I, what kind of glass does it have? What kind of marble floors does it have? Like, we're just, we're just interested in the wrong shit. Like, if we could just say to ourselves, you know what? I'm in the dig part of my journey and I need to fall in love with it. Like, I need to know what's here for me. I need to know that the dirt under my fingernails is the same. It's going to be the soil that, you know, grows the trees. Like I need to make sure that I am in, one, I know what phase I'm in. And that's part of it too. Like part of it is like we, we all kind of want to just go to the end and we have a really good vision of where we are. But then we don't understand that there are multiple steps along the way. But if we knew, Hey, we're in phase one, we're in phase two, we're in phase three of our journey, then I think we could also sit there and enjoy it more. Like I actually have always spent my time in my mind where I want to be. Like I used to visualize this crap. I used to go, who am I celebrating with when I get there? What kind of champagne are we drinking? Like that's fucking bullshit. If you live in that far, if you live that far in the future, you can't ever enjoy the present. And the present is where you get to, it's like so funny to me. It's like, I get, I get so wrapped up sometimes. I do have a team around me and they're like, look, we're here. We're going to celebrate today's win. This was really big. And I'm like, great, 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 great. But we're going to keep going to this thing. And they're like, no, 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 no. If that day never comes, we're still going to celebrate today because we're in it right now. Like these micro wins add up to the big win, right? And so sometimes I just feel like, yeah, we are not a society of people who enjoy that message. But I feel like the more people that really get it and understand that that's their identity and bumper stickers, like I'm going to enjoy the dig, I'm going to enjoy this journey, I'm going to be present for it. And I understand where I am, and I don't have to focus so much and live in the future. Man, we we have some really healthy the really exciting businesses that would exist out there
0: for sure yeah it's like it's it's almost like if you're too in love with the outcome you probably won't see it but if you love the journey you'll love the outcome even more like it's it's almost so, it's like you, you, you got to visualize the outcome but
1: sure but yeah, like, yeah, yeah. i mean process at 100 percent
2: and and just and by the way, if you have a vision, like one of the most like the most successful people I've ever been around, and I've been around a lot of successful people, the most successful people I've ever met can turn down great opportunities. Does that make sense? Like, they're every like all you ever hear that it's like somebody said. I don't know if it was like Munger or some person that said this, and, and you know, like some Berkshire Hathaway quote book. But it was always like you know, you got to say no more, right? And everyone's like, yeah, 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 got to say no more. Successful people say no to a lot of stuff. It's like no, 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 no. Successful people don't just say no. They say no to really unbelievable opportunities, like mind shattering opportunities. You don't think that uh, some of these really successful people get opportunities where it's like, hey, this is a, you're, you're going to go make a million dollars over here. You're going to make 10 million. You're going you're gonna, to, this is like unbelievable. You're going to meet this person. We're going to fly you private. We're going to pay you $150,000 to come to this thing to speak for 30 minutes. We're going to fly. You know what I mean? Like, And there are people that will just go, no, uh, that has no nothing to do with me because I'm going over here. And while it's a great opportunity, it's not the right one. It's like the most powerful position that anybody could ever be in is if you know where you're going so much, you're so convicted about it that you really understand how to turn down a great opportunity. Um, uh, do you guys know uh, what's his name? Uh, he's a really good speaker, he has a beard, wears a hat a lot. He's very popular right now. He was just at TNC and spoke with us and I forget, I'm blanking on his name. He, him and his wife both speak. He's in California somewhere. Uh, is his name Max or Sam or Anyway, I have, Alex I have, Hemosy, right? yeah, Alex Hermosy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Alex, I'm going to tell you an Alex story. You guys ready for this one? So, I have an event. I, I finally, after a bunch of years, own an event in the UK. Um, it's called uh, Entrepreneur Marketing Conference, right? One of the co-founders. We have we have 1,500 people last year. We're going for 2,000 this year. Very excited about it. Anyway, so we wanted Alex to come speak. So we got Ryan Dice coming over. We've got Jasmine Star coming over. We got all these really cool people coming to speak, right? So we go to Alex's people and we say. Hey, we'd love to have you come speak in the UK. And we've obviously known you from traffic and conversion summit, a bunch of other things. And we offered him $150,000 and first class flights anywhere in the world, whatever it is in this team. Right. And the text back was no TY. That was it. No, thank you. and i and i remember sitting there going what a ball move you know what i mean like this is this is this is what i'm talking about and i respect him so much because obviously it didn't fit into whatever he was doing there's no bad blood i love alex but one of the things i don't remember his name but i love him you know and um but 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 it is really but it is really interesting to think about how great because other people like people on the team are like oh man this guy's put-. And I'm like, no he's not He knows where he's going. He knows this doesn't fit into that. It might has nothing to do with us personally. These people are successful for a reason. They know their worth, they know where they're going, and they can turn down these awesome opportunities because they're just not the right ones, man. What a great measurement. Like I can't say I've always done that right, but I do think that I'm very aware of it now that I'm being pulled in a million directions for
1: sure.
0: Well, a secret insider story, so everybody knows too, is I texted Marcus to say, can I speak at this event? And that was the exact same text message he sent back. No, thank
2: you. No, thank you. No, 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 no. Oh my God. You're such a good, what does what, what he trying to do? Look, look, you're a good speaker. Okay. All right. You're good. You're good. Uh, I don't know what you're trying to fish out of me right now, but you know, you're fine. Um,
0: no, yeah. Uh, so- yeah, no. I think that it's it's not just saying no. I think is the point that that's such a great one here. It's not just saying no. It's actually being the willing to say no to what could be a good opportunity that's not in alignment. I use this analogy when I was still running my mastermind sometime back. I used to use the analogy of like I think you when you have your course clearly set out, you're it's like railroad tracks. If you pay attention to railroad tracks, they don't have a lot of turns. They can't. They don't have sharp turns in them. They might have some sweeping turns here and there, but generally. A lot of train tracks are sharp sharp, or or straight. So when you have that situation where somebody asks you to do something, sometimes it is like you're looking over to the, oh, well, that's a sharp turn off of the track. Uh Trains don't do that. Uh Trains just keep going, right? So now you could once in a while pull to the siding because you're fixing something, like they have a little turn off off the right, but it's actually still headed the same direction. It's just a little off to the side while you go, all right, this isn't quite, but this actually could help me get where I'm going So let me do this for a minute, get back on the tracks and keep going. And so that whole idea of, you know, keeping having you have, but, but it starts with having that vision so clear in mind of exactly where you're headed, because if you don't have that, then you don't know that when that text message comes in, offering you a really sweet deal. Isn't actually a match for where you're going. Like, if you don't have that vision in mind, you're not going to know to say no to something like that.
2: Yeah. Look, you can come speak at the conference, okay? Oh, you can stop come- <laughs> <man>. <laughs> Look, all right. Look, we, get, we, get your whole tra- we get your whole train story. We knew where that was going. You can take your, your pivot-ass train and come over to, to England and speak at our, at our event. Um, no, I. so the last question, I know we're probably, I, I think we're probably coming up close, but the one the one thing I want to know is on your show and in your community, what are some of the big things that come up with with your viewers or listeners? Like what are some of the things that they're going through I'd love to speak to that if I can before I go. Just like I'd love to know what what are some of the big things that people come up with or like uh, uh, trending stuff in your community?
0: We actually have two, uh-huh. interestingly enough, we bring two separate communities to, to sort of this thing. So my community, it's typically, you know, sales related stuff. Um, it's usually people asking like, hey, I'm stuck on this g- business growth idea. Or, you know, wh- how do I know my ideas right? I think we've gotten a lot of people over the, the course of the show, I think, what are we four seasons in, um, who have asked questions like, I'm trying to make the jump. Like, I'm in corporate America. That's why I wanted to have yeah. you as a guest. I think that's yeah. The yeah. one that's like, I'm in this job, but I need to go do something on my own. How do I turn my side <laughs> hustle to my main hustle kind of thing? And, and yeah. so that's a, that's a big one for my community. Um, and then, Ron, I mean, you speak more to your community, but Ron's usually more financial-related, market-related. Where am I putting money? That type of stuff.
1: Tax. Tax related. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're seeing a lot of guys that are losing their jobs, though. So we're seeing because we got a lot of tech clients, Marcus, that are are going through a rough time right now, man, where markets are, you know, we haven't seen this since 2008, in my opinion. So you can speak to either of those because they're both kind of the same thing. They're both a train <laughs> moving the state. Yeah, approach.
2: yeah, yeah. Let's keep talking about trains the rest of the time. I'm very excited Perfect. to use Perfect. a train analogy. <laughs> well, we all right, know, all right. So, so know. let's uh, let me let me speak yeah. to both of those things before we leave. This would be like my Jerry Springer final thought, and then I'll hop off. <laughs> my uh, <laughs> there's two things. Yeah. Oh my you, you rather, gosh! Right. Uh, I didn't think about that. But um, mayor of Cincinnati, by the way, what's that say about say, Ohio? But it doesn't matter. So there's two things. One.
1: <laughs> Wait. Hold on, though. Hold on, though, Marcus. Do you know what it
2: had to have been something career? related to some like a midget stripper? It has to be
0: something crazy.
1: Yeah. Well, he did the Jesse Smollett before Jesse Smollett did it, which is he paid for escorts, paid for illicit activities using a personal check and so he when he ran for the election yeah the, the opponent got a hold of the check and was like yeah man here you go the oh guy's gosh. been visiting right. girls so like charles barkley said uh, always pay oh cash. my god
2: all right see. so for the last three it. minutes i'm trying to give you two big nuggets here all right so so let's get back let's, get po- let's focus up all right so trains <laughs> yeah. no, i'm just kidding so we've got we've got people in this community that are trying to transition but I'll tell you that it's probably really crazy because the other thing that you said was we're in a climate where job security is like a travesty. In fact, like LinkedIn laid off 700 people the other day. And, and, you know, I've been so close to a lot of these different tech companies who are trying to expand really fast or expand it outside of the economic conditions that are currently that we're facing. And I think that what we're doing is, by the way, don't get it twisted. We are living in this facade. If you think that the business climate right now and that there aren't going to be a bunch more layoffs, there've been hundreds of thousands of technology layoffs since January. All right, guys? Like job security is a completely funny thing to say. What I want you to do is throw it out the window. Absolutely throw it out the window because job security is a facade. It's not something no matter where you are, like you are not, you're not untouchable in, unless you actually create the thing. I'm telling you right now, having the freedom and the control over being able to impact your income is something that I feel like a lot of us, it is also equally scary. So you're talking about two things. You stay in a job where there's like, oh my gosh, all this stuff is crumbling around me and my economic condition is unstable. And then you have like, I'm gonna go start this thing and I need to make money and support my family. And you have all these doubts, all these fears. The one thing I'm gonna say is to help cut through all that head noise that you have is that you're most likely going to fail. (laughs) Either way, okay? You're most likely going to fail. Yes. And so it's never about failing that should be the thing that holds you back either way. I think there are people that need to be in careers. I think there are people that need to stay exactly where they're at. I think there are people that need to stay in the company. If every single one of the people that worked for me was like, I'm going to be an entrepreneur and I'm out of here, I, that would suck. That would suck so bad, right? And I want what I want what they want for their life. But there are people that need to sit that, back and go, can I get where I want to go? Is this helping me get one step closer to where I want to go? Is this the vehicle, not the destination? So if you're in a job right now and you're in a career, whether you're an executive or you're part of the cog at some level, you know, if that place is getting you where you ultimately want to be and your career isn't the destination, then just stay there. You're going to be fine. If you need to leave what you're doing and go create something that's going to get you where you want to be. And that's the entrepreneurial journey that you need to take. And there's some solvable problem out in the world and you can take an exit. And that's all part of the plan because you realize that everything we do, both in a career setting and entrepreneurial setting is truly not the destination, but the vehicle to where we want to go, then it doesn't matter. Just make sure that that's the measuring stick. I know where I want to go. This has helped me either get one step closer or one step further away. And to understand the economic, the, the part for me was like, I have this burning in my soul That I kept trying to just push down and quench with achievements and distraction, bourbon, mostly bourbon, guys, mostly really good, mostly really good bourbon and chicken wings was a way that I really was trying to push push down that desire, and eventually it was overcoming. Like I, I felt like if I didn't go do this, that I was going to lose a big part of myself. And in doing so, I knew that regardless of whether I went out there and did it or stayed in my job, I had a vision of what I wanted my life to look like. This one was just going to get me there faster in a, in a way that I wanted to and had control over. And that's the best thing I would say. I, I don't have like perfect career advice for everybody, but I do think it's really important to understand that you need a measuring board and you need to understand whether you're going one step closer, one step further away, regardless of whatever that decision is.
0: Uh. For the first time in four seasons, love I heard my wife uh, here go mm-hmm. to something in the show. So, well done. <laughs> uh, you know, well, Steph she. Proud, yeah. well, so. Wait, 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 wait. You're saying you didn't blur away the train that. analogy? What are we talking about here? Huh?
1: <laughs> she's not sitting over there going, "Oh my gosh, trains!" Yes, yes. I love. I love I love Ivana, but she's gotta go, Dom. Yeah. That was the first yeah. time. Um, go.
2: anyway, guys, I, I really appreciate it. I am gonna I'm gonna jump, but I thank you guys so much for having me on. I I've really obviously Dom, you and I go way back. It's been great to get to know you um as well. And I think this is gonna be yeah, it's gonna be a lot of fun. And and if people if anybody wants to get a hold of me, obviously or has questions um you can obviously find me on here so i'm very excited and and guys keep doing what you're doing this is a really fun fun way to start the day
0: i got so yeah, one a final question though. no way since you've been in the nba script writing room who's winning the championship i mean jimmy mean, obviously you're so tied into is it is it, it lakers celtics in the final <laughs> and, and, yeah i mean what's that uh, what's the script writing all i'm
2: going about? to say is that it's not miami <laughs> 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 all
0: right guys thanks a lot right, take care nice. See thanks, You guys.
1: All right. With that, thanks, Marcus. Guys, come back next week. We'll have another show Take care. And, uh, Dominic, you got a oh, fun now, now we're going to be
0: weighing in on who's on the, who's winning the finals now. Oh, my Uh, awesome, man. Right. Folks, good to see you. Uh, thanks, Marcus. And, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll have the recording up. Usually it goes live, uh, Monday morning around 8 a.m. or so. That's when it goes live, uh, on the podcast, all the podcast channels. Dominic, enjoy, enjoy the rest of your
1: anniversary weekend and I'll stay.